Hello. So I would normally put my usual content warning here, but I feel that given the nature of the discussion you're about to listen to, it might be worth offering a bit more of a health warning and some caveats. So over the last month or so, social media has been swept up by the increased presence and subsequent removal of Andrew Tate, the self-proclaimed king of toxic masculinity. Today's episode is a discussion about this recent social media phenomenon, and to discuss it with me is James Oliver, otherwise known as the Compassionate Man on Instagram. James released several pieces of social media content in relation to that rise of Andrew Tate, which we talk about. The conversation covers some speculation about how Andrew Tate became as big as he did, the current state of masculinity, and what compassion looks like when it relates to someone like Andrew Tate, and in general, those who have done harmful things. More specifically, we think about how compassion relates to accountability. This discussion entails holding two opposing views at the same time. It is this part of the conversation that might be tricky for some listeners to hear, and it was certainly a tricky conversation to have. But I think James and I do it justice, or maybe we don't. I'll let you decide. That being said, and I mentioned this towards the end of the episode anyway, but it bears mentioning right at the start too. James and I became aware that the nature of the conversation we were having was easier for us because we were not the direct or indirect targets of Andrew Tate's misogyny and expressions of violence. It is this one step removed position that maybe made it possible for us to talk about the opposing views and to engage in this trickier side of the, of the discussion. But just because James and I were able to have this trickier conversation and because we were able to discuss the different perspectives in this way does not mean that we expect any listeners to hold or to accept the viewpoints discussed in this episode. Overall, it is possible that this episode might be a difficult one to hear for several reasons and if it is, I urge you to look after yourself. Maybe take a break, come back later or maybe don't come back at all. In my view, it's a multi-layered conversation that tries to cover as much nuance on the social media events of the last four weeks. Hopefully it's of some value. If you think the conversation was one worth sharing, please do so. Additionally, if you appreciate the show, do rate it, recommend it to your friends, and I would be grateful if you could leave a comment or two. Um, That being said, uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation, um, and please get in touch to let me know your thoughts. Thank you. So, hello and welcome to the Nicest Ramblings podcast with me, the nicest psychologist, or, you know, Daniel, as some people like to refer to me as. Um, And today I'm uh, very pleased to have uh, James Oliver, um, better known as the Compassionate Man on Instagram, as my guest. Hello, James. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it uh no worries i i really appreciate it um i'm always very humbled and always very appreciative of people who agree to come onto my podcast and just have a chat uh often as is with today's podcast not necessarily about the most pleasant of things um which is why i'm always i think quite super grateful because i guess um i guess it's quite a uh, maybe a bit of a tall ask sometimes to ask people to talk about some of the things that are maybe slightly less pleasant about life um, as is today's topic, or not necessarily, it might not necessarily be fully um, unpleasant, but anyway, we'll see how it goes. Um, so I guess to contextualize the episode for anybody that isn't aware or hasn't been around for the last month or so on social media, um, James and I are here today to have a conversation around um, Andrew Tate, um, and not just about Andrew Tate, but about the i guess phenomenon surrounding him um 
And the reason you and I are talking today, James, is because um, you saw a post by uh, Matt Bernstein, I believe is his name, um, and he released uh, quite a sort of powerful uh, post about um, Andrew Tate that had a lot of snippets of um, his uh, stuff uh, from TikTok videos, and I suppose that were on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you had seen that, and um, you posted a video, which I think um, quite a lot of people watched, and I think quite a lot of people resonated with. Um, so I watched it, liked what I heard, uh, thought it was, um, you know, a good video, something important for a man to say. Um, and so I reached out and got in touch and you agreed to come onto the chat with me today. And here we are. Here we are. We made it. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's, that's how we got here. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of get stuck into, as you said, this stuff often carries a lot of emotional weight when you get stuck into these conversations, but yeah. at the same time, that just incredibly important. So I'm, I'm grateful for you, um, kind of hosting and facilitating the conversation. Okay. No worries. Uh, I guess you're welcome. And I suppose anybody who's mm-hmm. listening is maybe welcome as well. Um, although you, we can judge that at the end of the episode. Um, <laughs> but I suppose before we get stuck into it, um, it might just be helpful to sort of talk about who you are um, and I guess what your what your sort of purpose or your aim uh, for your Instagram pages, um, because you weren't always known as the compassionate man. Um, I have been following you for what must be going on, I don't know, close to a year and a half now or so. Um, and you were previously known as the honest bloke and um, you um, still have a podcast under that name. Um, well, it's available under that name, sort of on sort of all the all the platforms and stuff. Um, but then you took a, you took a bit of a break, didn't you? You had a bit of a hiatus. You took some time away, mm-hmm. and then um, then you came back. And you came back as the compassionate man. And I thought, I'd, you know, just to just to help sort of um, listeners understand, I guess, who mm-hmm. you are, a little bit about yourself. Um, it'd be interesting to hear kind of that journey, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So I. Um... I launched the uh, the Instagram page for The Honest Bloke back at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, such as <laughs> so many people did, you know, passion projects, downtime, yeah. too much time on our hands. And um, I've been been thinking about creating a, a dedicated online space for myself that would serve as a safe space for me to share my experiences around mental health, mental health through the lens and perspective of being a man and wanting to encourage and facilitate the conversations to be had around men's mental health so that was um kind of prompted and the, you know the passion for that came from losing a good friend of mine about four years ago to suicide um his name is harry and uh that was yeah just over the last few years it had become a, a real uh a really important area of my life that i found myself wanting to invest more and more time in and that was understanding the just the entire kind of topic and conversation around men's mental health and male suicide rates and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I started the Honest Bloke page. It was uh, branded as such because I wanted it to be relatable to your everyday man. And the word bloke, I think, is quite accessible and quite um, appropriate. A lot of guys resonate and that lands with them. And so, yeah, you know, that that took me on a real journey. And it was an amazing, amazing um, kind of 
two years of, of showing up in on social media with that with that moniker and in that space yeah um and i think and i think you know as as the honest bloke um which is how i found you initially i think um sort of your aim and your purpose and what you were doing about sort of having really open, on, open, honest, frank conversations about uh, mental health, about, you know, not necessarily just your struggles, but just sort of um, talking quite openly about that. I thought I found the mm. the candor around that really refreshing. And I thought um, it was something that I hadn't necessarily seen before um, in my, <laughs> at that point, very limited time on social <laughs> media. So I, um, not on social media, but in terms of what I was doing with my own with my own um, account. So yeah, so I think it was it really stood out and it was really quite right. Not even I was about to say bold, and that's and that even in itself that's an interesting word to use because um, I guess it wasn't it wasn't necessarily I don't know I don't know pastel colored or anything like that or any of these other sort of you know um mental health instagram pages that seem to have this kind of lighter softer touch to them i don't know it was just a bit more like this is me i'm just a dude that's got some something to say and it was just this is how i'm going to say it yeah. and i said it and um and yeah so it was uh, i think yeah i think that was kind of the aim so you kind of giving that as feedback i think you know feels like it it, it you know, really showed up and landed the way I wanted it to. I think that, um, you know, don't get me wrong, there are some amazing mental health accounts and things like that out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to speak from from my own perspective. And um, yeah, you know, that 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 took me on, a, as I say, a, a really great journey with learning how to show up um, on social media and share certain types of content. And and as that space, uh, that, that page kind of grew in terms of its following and the types of conversations that I was having, you know, I started getting stuck into more complex, more nuanced conversations and ones that became a lot more challenging to know how to hold space for, you know, when, when the Sarah Everard situation happened last year with, with the awful, um, uh, you know, with the event of her, her murder um, at the hands of a policeman that then suddenly opened up again these these incredibly complex conversations around male violence towards women um understanding things like patriarchal structures and oppression um you know i also the year before in in light of everything that happened with the george floyd murder you know that became a massive eye-opener for me in terms of things like understanding systemic racism and oppression from that perspective yeah and i felt myself don't get me wrong, very overwhelmed, but, but but becoming very educated on extremely complex matters or, or just listening into very complex conversations, um, which both fascinated me, scared me, um, but I felt it was necessary to, to involve myself in those conversations. And the more I kind of, you know, listened in and educated myself on them, I was able to start participating. Um, so, yeah, at the end of, when was it? last middle of last year i took took a break had some challenges again with just some of my personal life and my mental health and when i came back the honest bloke moniker didn't really kind of um i felt like it's run its course and there was i was looking for maybe some different way of showing up it didn't feel very aligned for me anymore and i ended up getting involved in some um uh, podcast guest of mine actually was the first person to put me on to compassion focused therapy okay. as a type of uh yeah as a type of you know, psychotherapy or as a medium, uh, as, as a mode of a modality of, of, of therapy. And that was my journey into understanding what compassion is, how it actually works, how it can be integrated into a form of mental health, um, you know, talk therapy. 
and it really just started highlighting to me what how important compassion is and how much I lacked it in my own life and how much I did not show compassion to myself and uh, how critical I was of my own self in my own head. Um, and I went on over again, went on another journey with deepening that practice and exploring the concept of, of compassion in my own life. And I've, I've just found it to be healing in ways that I, you know, couldn't even begin to describe. And um, I, I believe that it's, you know, I feel like I'm preaching a bit here, but I feel like it's a really powerful modality in itself when you can really kind of yeah. learn to embody it and understand it yeah. and apply it. It's it's kind of a mirror. It's reciprocal to understanding it within yourself and and then being able to to sort of express it and project it onto other people. So, so yeah, I, I love it and I don't shut up about it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, so that's helpful to know actually that because um, obviously, you know, I didn't necessarily know that the reason why you've kind of um assigned yourself the compassionate man handle was related to the fact that you were now engaging in more compassion focused uh therapy um mm. so it's helpful to know that actually and i think um i think that will come into that will form part of a, a later sort of conversation topic um mm. in terms of thinking about compassion um for other people um particularly around quite difficult uh situations and things like that um but yes yeah, so i am familiar with compassion focused therapy i'm not necessarily a compassion focused uh therapist but i employ quite a lot of compassion focused um practice i guess um because it's not necessarily um uh, a modality in and of itself that's a way of understanding how um people can um be critical towards themselves and they can get caught up in their critical thinking and not necessarily um uh, activating what's called the the soothe system and you know they miss out on a lot of that and how the critical thoughts kind of get into get in the way of the day-to-day -day aims um so yeah so i kind of you know can appreciate that um compassion is a really important part of um i guess just being human really um yeah. so but it's but it's nice to hear actually that the reason why um your focus on compassion um is because that you are learning to be more compassionate to yourself or you have learned to be more compassionate to yourself um so that's quite nice so thanks for sharing always deep yeah that. always deepening that practice though i don't think you can ever get enough of it <laughs> yeah absolutely you know well i mean as with anything isn't it you know the more you practice it the better you become but um you know i always liken it to learning a language you know um you're only ever fluent in a in a second language that you learn if you continue to use the language as soon as you stop talking about it those parts of your brain um the neural circuits kind of will start to will stop working as efficiently and um the next time you visit france or germany or wherever it is you'll struggle to grasp those um <laughs> phrases that you learned so it's like it's anything like with mental health it's uh it's an ever it's an ever continuing project as it were for sure okay well thank you for that for me that was really helpful and enlightening um i'd always been curious uh so i thought what i'd do is i'd get you on a podcast and ask you <laughs> to kind of bear your sort of vulnerabilities um but yeah okay so i appreciate that um okay moving on <laughs> to the to the heavy shit now um okay so we're going to talk about andrew tates for anyone mm. who doesn't know very briefly 
Andrew Tate is a fuck. What is he? What even is he? He's a guy who was born in England, who then somehow managed to end up in Romania because for various different sort of sexual assault allegations held against him. Um, he's ended up in um, Romania because apparently there were slightly more lax laws relating to sexual violence there. And um, he's essentially some kind of Bitcoin king, but also a, what is it called? Like a pyramid scheme scam artist, yeah. apparently, um, yeah. who has somehow managed to successfully recruit i don't even know what the numbers are but lots of people into the scam where he basically promises them that for i think is it like 30 30 pounds a month like 50 or something pounds like a month or something yeah 50, yeah 30 50 pounds a month they'll you know they'll have access to what's called hustler university which in and of itself just makes me cringe like why would again I really will hold judgment, but why would somebody want to enroll into something called Hustler University? Um, anyway, uh, and he's managed to make um, a shit ton of money. How much he's worth, I don't know. Um, I don't care, actually, as well. Um, but part and parcel of what he's um, of what you had to do when you were recruited was to take these. <sighs> videos that he made and i guess i don't even know how you how you got access to the videos i'm assuming that you maybe see them or there's some kind of server or whatever and you're supposed to take these videos and you know as part of being part of a hustler university you're supposed to splice these videos um into your social media feed and tag him and you know the algorithm would do the rest i've known about andrew tate for I'm going to say about a year. I've seen him pop up randomly on TikTok, um, on um, Instagram every once in a while. And I just thought that, you know, obviously some of the shit he said, like all the shit he says was unreal. But slowly over time, I started to see him more and more and more. And it all seems to have come to a head within the last month or so, four weeks, mm. um, yeah. where his presence just skyrocketed um, and um, leading to the point where there were loads of, um, you know, uh, highly influential influencers um, talking about him, uh, talking about his seriously misogynistic, transphobic, homophobic. Um, I'm going to say I haven't seen anything necessarily racist from him, but definitely things relating to gender um, that were just massively skewed. Um, and again, as I said at the start, one of them was Matt Bernstein's post that you sort of saw and shared. Um, so, so yeah, so we're going to talk about him. But um, the question I, the, the, my first question to you, well, my second question to you technically, is the video that you posted uh, reminded me of um, a video that you shared roughly around the time, just soon after the Sarah Everard um, murder, um, because that's, I'll be honest with you, that's essentially how I found out, I found you or came to know your page. It was either It was either through that video or through the podcast that you hosted with Aileen Barrett, where you talked about that, um, where you talked mm -hmm. about her murder. Um, 
and it reminded me so the video that you posted about Andrew Tate reminded me of that video I guess it just kind of had a bit of the the same energy I suppose I don't really know how to say it um so I guess my question to you is what you know why did you post the video why did you feel you needed to post it Uh, or did you yes. or, or did you feel you needed to post it? I I assumed that you needed to post it, but I guess I'm just curious yeah. about that. I think um so I mean there were there were two pieces of content that I shared specifically around that time. One was the video um which I posted first actually and my <laughs> it's interesting thinking back the first that video you're referring to I talk about and discuss why it's important to hold compassion for a man like Andrew Tate now that in itself when you hear that people many people will hear that and immediately go what the fuck is this going on about right mm -hmm. so that's not you know one of the things that i think is important to preface this whole conversation is that that's not my necessarily like whilst that was my primary video and that was my first point mm -hmm. that wasn't the entire conversation and mm -hmm. there are multiple conversations to have under this topic the reason why i wanted to encourage people to lean in with a let's say a compassionate or a curious lens as to what's happening here is because last year after the sarah everard murder obviously this is where the whole not all men thing came from Um, and that was the other piece of content that I shared that in itself actually went viral like ever, like nothing I've ever seen before mm -hmm. um, yeah I, uh, I remember seeing that that's yeah because you you posted a I guess just to contextualize it was a I, I guess a bit like an open letter type thing isn't it you were like mm -hmm. you were like dear yeah. not all men men and you basically yeah. like where the where the fuck are you now <laughs> yeah where, so where are you yeah I wanted those guys you know I wanted to address the need for us all to be able to observe someone like your Andrew Tate originally and remember just for our own safety really and for our own mental health for our own well-being is to not allow it to defeat us and to understand that that person is actually someone who's in incredible pain whilst they don't portray that and whilst they don't come across that they they clearly have almost next to no awareness of their own pain andrew tate comes across as a bullshit arrogant overconfident misogynistic piece of shit um that is the the character that he plays that is the message that he uh delivers and that is the um yeah that's the message that he is he's using to recruit these followers to uh take advantage of them of, of them Uh, of, of their ignorance and of their impressionability and their vulnerability and that's how he's making money and all these millions of dollars and getting all these millions of followers but the reason i encouraged compassion originally is because when we get angry and we feel quite helpless well that is quite harmful for us and i find that trying to understand someone from a compassionate viewpoint actually is about not letting that person's pain so the pain that andrew tate is clearly in mm -hmm. allowing that to actually pass on through to us now i'm not saying that we bypass our anger i'm not saying that we can we reject that or push that down we allow that we have to allow that because it's there and we've got every right to be really fucking angry about what this man is what he is inciting and the fact that he is profiting and causing so much harm 
you know he is he is building he was building hopefully um an army of of young impressionable men who through the way that they have been raised now have this role model who is embodying the harmful beliefs that they've been taught and actually projecting it and amplifying that as a in a positive role model type way mm-hmm. so not only is he as in they're seeing as in they're, they're seeing as in they're seeing him as a positive role model yeah they are yeah, yeah. so these 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 young kids and, and young men who are following him signing up to his business they see him as a role model so the reason i encourage people to be compassionate is because i didn't want them to be hurt and feel helpless okay. but the not all men letter that i posted was specifically to highlight all of the men who spoke up so aggressively and loudly last year when they were trying to defend the reputation of men. You know, when we use these phrases, you know, men are doing this, men are doing that, you know, the men who speak up, who spoke up at that point to defend the reputation of men we're trying to say we're not all rapists. We're not all this. We're you know we're not all misogynizers and sexual abusers. And you know, please stop branding us as this. So, the reason I addressed them was because there was silence on social media. the The men who were so vocal last year, I didn't see anyone speaking up to openly condemn Andrew Tate. You know, it's that whole thing of silence is almost complicity when Mm. something is being so obviously you know we all use social media we i mean there were a few people that said i'd never heard of this guy until you shared this with me but most people you know most people knew what the fuck i was talking about they knew who this guy was they had seen some of his stuff and the message that i was getting is that most of these men were silent to the men to the few men that did comment on that specific post what they were saying to me was we all know he's full of shit. We all know he's a piece of shit. Why should we then be speaking up about it? Why is this our responsibility? Anyone with half a brain can tell that this guy is just a nut job and isn't going to be, you know, affecting me or, you know, everyone that I've spoken to thinks he's a dickhead. So therein lies the problem as well, is that they think that just because they can see it, that everyone else sees it. It's this this lack of empathy or this lack of ability to see beyond our own perspective. And that's ultimately the same reason why men spoke up so defendingly and so loudly last year when they thought that they were under attack and they thought that women were branding them as rapists. They were happy to speak up to defend themselves then, but they were happy to be silent in the face of someone who, as far as we all saw and women all saw and anyone else all saw, that this guy was doing tremendous harm and he was influencing millions of people in a bad way. And I think, yeah, I guess that's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because what you're highlighting is this weird sort of paradox where as soon as, as soon as something bad happens, although it's really weird because if you take, if you take Sarah Everard, Sarah Everard was um, murdered by a man, a policeman um, and women were talking about how they're feeling unsafe um and sort of saying you know they can't trust men and they don't know which men are the safe men and all that kind of stuff which is essentially what they were saying and that's where the not all men stuff came from because it's like whoa i'm not a, as you're saying i'm not a rapist i'm not a sexual assaulter i don't do all these things but actually then you've got andrew tate who in a different way 
is being violent towards women essentially by saying all these things you know there's videos where he talks about how he will slap women if they disobey him or if they try to defend themselves using um martial arts he's so powerful he can do all these really horrific horrible things um to them and you know it's a different form of violence so one is a woman was literally killed and the other one is a man is sort of talking about and inciting uh horrific violent ways in which to treat women which you know we can you know we can potentially debate the impact of a tiktok video on somebody's um uh, sort of future influence to mistreat a woman because you know I'm sure that there will people will be like it's just TikTok doesn't have that much of an influence blah blah blah, blah. Um, but regardless there is somebody who's talking about being violent who's saying that women you know th- that only men can cheat and women can't cheat based on really weird biblical archaic references but anyway um, and for the actual murder and the death of a woman, people are like, men are like, oh, it's not all men. But then when you've got somebody saying all this horrible stuff and women are saying, you know, is this the type of man that you want to be? Or is this the type of man that is now appealing to men? Is this, is, you know, cause he's popular for a reason. And we'll get into that in a second because this is something that blows my mind. Um, people were were violent. And I guess what you're saying is that when when one thing happens to a woman and there's a outcry against men for some reason there was a defending of mm. men in general um but when this happened it was m- massively silent and it's almost like you were saying it sounded like you were saying that men were saying well yeah but it's obvious that he's fucking you know yeah. ridiculous men, men are un- yeah men are men are only happy to speak up when they're defending their reputation they're not exactly. happy to speak up when it's when it's in, when it's important to encourage a conversation around condemning someone or important to encourage the you know to speak out in support of the women that were clearly yeah. going to be you know the the, the 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 women around the world who would ultimately end up being victims of men influenced by andrew tate yeah, because his 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 words his words his message his content will have caused women to be objectified, worse, uh, sexually abused, worse, raped, potentially yeah. murdered. Like this yeah. this stuff. I appreciate that we are talking about a chain of events and you know the knock on effects of certain things, but that shit happens, and it will have happened, and. That's why I sent the Dear Not All Men Men letter was just to try and get them to understand how their silence can cause pain. And essentially it's it's very it's very unhelpful. You know, it's important that we speak up when this stuff happens. So oh so what I'd like to do is I'd like to come back to the compassion conversation a little bit later because I'd like to think about, um, I guess, I'd like to think about that a little bit more um, specifically sure. for sort of from my lens as a, I guess, forensic psychologist and thinking about working with um, people who have committed offences and holding compassion for individuals like that and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I guess one of the things that I think would be helpful to explore now 
is um and this and this kind of comes from some questions uh, that followers have um asked so i kind of when i said that i was having you on as a guest i kind of asked if anybody had some questions or queries or talking points that they wanted us to think about um and one of the things that i think is really interesting as a phenomenon and i think it would be helpful i don't think either of us are going to have the answer although you might i'd be interested to hear what you say um is this idea of <laughs> how the fuck <laughs> did the man how the fuck does a man who says the things that he has been saying um, whose content is currently still out there. I know TikTok or, you know, he's banned from TikTok and I know that they're, you know, removing videos and stuff. Haven't heard the same thing from Instagram or Facebook. I know that they've not necessarily put out any kind of, we're going to go through and remove all those videos. Um, but the question that I had, because I also made a post like not too, not too long before sort of the, the more sort of, um, I guess, shitstorm as it were i don't know how else to describe it came about and one of the things i was asking is how the fuck does a man like andrew tate become platformed like oh hmm. i was thinking about it today i was trying to think about a metaphor for it and the only thing i could think about was weeds growing through concrete and the the reason weeds can grow through is because they find weaknesses in the cracks of the concrete hmm. that's above them and they're obviously able to, because they'll, they'll grow and they'll push, but they can push through because they find the weaker, it, you know, the, the, they push through the cracks and it, it weakens and it, and it comes through. Uh, the other metaphor I had was the the um, the underground from Stranger Things, where they just have like portals of like weird, you know, uh, <laughs> like tentacle fucking portals or whatever. Anyway, but in my head, the the, the metaphor is is that obviously for me there must be like this undercurrent of accepted misogyny and disregard for women or you know holding women in a um lower regard that kind of bubbles under the surface and every once in a while like a weed breaks through like andrew tate because he finds a gap or um and i'm not saying he does it intentionally or purposefully but there is something about the the timing or just the the length of time that he's been doing it but it mm. it, it it eventually found its way to the surface yeah so much so that people were just fucking sharing his shit and they must have shared it for a reason like you know yeah. i know you were i know you were saying that there are blokes who were saying to you well obviously he's an idiot obviously what he's saying is stupid obviously mm. what he's saying is ridiculous and i would never think like that but well, there are guys who are championing it. <laughs> yeah. mm. Like the man wouldn't have three million followers. Actually, he had by the time he was by the time he was banned uh from from um Instagram, he had four something million million. Four point six million, yeah. Yeah. At the time I made my post, I went to go check his page and he had like 3.1 million or whatever. So and I think that was only in like four weeks. Within four weeks, he'd managed to accrue another million and a half followers and that's yeah. that fucking says something to me um so anyway there's a, yeah there's a few there's a few things on this i mean i don't know about metaphors but 
2016, a week before the presidential elections, videos came out of Donald Trump saying you can grab a woman by the pussy and you can do it without even asking them. Mm-hmm. And you don't you, basically you don't need consent because you're a celebrity. They'll let you do whatever the fuck you want. So a week later, that man got sworn in as the president of the United States. So yeah. that in itself speaks volumes about the world and the men that are in it and the way that women, whilst the feminism movement has come a long way and whilst there's been a lot of movement forward, you know, in the last, you know, 50 years or so, it shows that women still have an incredibly uh, challenging time being seen as equal people in our society. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing to comment on is the fact that as the spotlight began to really grow on Andrew Tate, particularly over the last kind of four to six weeks, you know, he was Google, he was the most Google person on earth. He had uh, something like 10 or 11 billion impressions or searches or whatever it was, you know, um, which was more than, I think at the time it was more than like Donald Trump, Kim Kardashian and Logan Paul combined. Yeah. So, you know, who are who are three for many different reasons, incredibly, incredibly, you know, Googled and Instagrammed and TikToked celebrity, you know, people. So there are so many reasons why he got so much uh, spotlight and so much, um, uh, yeah, so so many people talking about him, and that was because he, as the spotlight rose, he began to actually, in order to sort of start counteracting or start justifying it he started to actually share what was ultimately his business plan and that was the fact that he had purposely gone out to share outrageous now whether he actually did this or whether it was just his story but he said that he was playing a character and he was purposely portraying outrageous you know clickbaity understandably offensive opinions in order to generate interest clicks controversy conversation and he just wanted to be he just wanted his five minutes and he wanted everyone to be talking about him ultimately it ended up being something that 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 drove people into his website you know because a lot of the people that were commenting on my thing were saying this was one of the most really interesting uh, sort of parts of the the journey of of when men were showing up and commenting because I got a few of the tape followers coming onto you know onto my page and they were you know they were trolls they were you know laughing at, at, the, at my post and they were top trying G, to antagonize me yeah this whole like top G thing of him being like this role model and a lot of them said the same things they said you know what colors your uh, you know Uh, oh all of that stuff all of that stuff right but the ones where they were trying to actually articulate some form of defense they were dismissing the incredibly offensive misogynistic you know abusive stuff that he'd done and going yeah but he's done so much he's done so much he's doing other stuff to help men's mental health and you know um like these men were actually trying to articulate a reason why you know he had shared a post inciting that he was considering donating you know a million dollars to a charity to support women and also another one to support men and it was all this, uh, it was all this mask he was wearing. It was all this performance that he was doing. Now, the reason that that for me is even more dangerous, whether he meant those comments or not, was because he was consciously or unconsciously happy to incite 
that level of abuse and violence amongst millions of men in order just to generate clicks and just to generate business and just to funnel, you know, whether it was 1%, 0.5%, 0.1% of everyone who searched his stuff through to his website, who was paying 30 or 50 quid a month to learn about Bitcoin and learn about, um, you know, Forex and trading and, you know, all of these ways of making money and coding and, you know, all of these ways that ultimately would allow you to live the lifestyle that he was presenting. That was one of an extremely successful, um, strong physically, mentally, emotionally, um, you know, trained in martial arts, uh, is is dominant and, and powerful over women, um, so can get whatever they want sexually. You know, he just appealed to the darkness within so many men. Um, and that corner of, 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 you know, whether you want to call it dark, toxic, disconnected masculinity, um, he ultimately was just leveraging, you know, free speech, the algorithms on social media, and he was able to then go, I'm going to say some fucking outrageous shit. I'm going to get everyone talking about me and I'm going to make a quick buck. Um, I don't think he anticipated it being shut down as quickly as it did, but um, which again, I actually think was a, a big credit to wh where these social media platforms often fuck up when they don't, you know, they'll shut down a woman for accidentally showing a nipple, but they won't shut down someone like Andrew Tate, right? Um, or Tommy Lee apparently had his cock out uh, on a photo yeah. for five hours. Yeah, that was ridiculous. I heard, I heard about that. And, you know, again, comes back to the whole, what the fuck are we doing? How yeah. these social media platforms do a dog shit job overall? But yeah. credit where it's due regarding this specific scenario, they, they took mm -hmm. action. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's a symptom of where we are in the world. And that, like I say, if you go back to Donald Trump and the things that he said before he got voted in as the, the, the president of the United States, mm -hmm. well, it shows that, you know, yeah, your average Joe, you know, the guys who were saying, of course, we can see this guy's, a, you know, a fucking idiot. And, you know, no, surely no one really believes that stuff. Like they do. Men everywhere do because we are subliminally and actively um, raised in ways that do treat women as second class citizens. Mm. And I think it speaks to the fact that the reason and this is the thing that um, I can't get my head around is that, again, whether it was conscious or unconscious, whether it was a business tactic, whether he knew what he was saying, you know, we, we don't, we won't ever know whether he believed his own brand of bullshit. But <clears throat> if he was saying things that were overtly racist, like if he was saying things about, you know, like massively anti-Semitic things or massively racist things that like screamed old school kind of, you know, 19... Uh, whatever 50s racist stuff there is not a chance in hell anybody would have gone oh i'm gonna go and sign up for that man's you know university he obviously sounds like he knows what he's talking about but it's so interesting and i think it speaks to like what you were saying this either covert or overt underlying almost insidious underbelly of what we societally um as men and again not not just men i know that there are women who also follow those posts and there were you know lots of them saying that this is this is the kind of man that you should have how many of those are bots i don't know but but primarily men yeah 
it's amazing what internalized misogyny like how internalized misogyny can show up within women though exactly you know, yes yeah, um, yeah that it, ha- it happens and, and again my heart goes out to them because what what ounce of of real compassion and real love have they ever yeah. been shown in their life to yeah. believe that that is yeah. you know attractive or yeah. a life that would want to be lived exactly yeah absolutely um but i guess you know obviously we i don't think we'll ever have stats or anything like that about how many people who you know that shared his stuff were men and all that kind of stuff but i think i think it's safe to say based on the commentary that we've seen based on um the 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 stuff that's been shared and talked about is that it's primarily been men who have been championing this man and the fact that he was able to say what he was saying and it was accepted and championed and bought into as a as something to aspire to Mm. really fucking concerns me and again like i don't want to sound like i'm a you know a doomsayer or anything like that and i'm not saying that every man on the streets is you know a fan of andrew tate and all that kind of stuff but hashtag not all men hashtag not all men (laughs) but like it just it just fucking blows my mind that he was able to reach such a pinnacle and wasn't shut down any earlier because what he said and the things that he said and the level of pure sort of utter disregard for women and utter disregard for um, holding women in respect. Again, whether it was a fucking character or whether it's actually him doesn't matter. People believed and bought into what he was saying so much that mm. he got to where he was and and yeah and it just like uh, yeah i think it, it, i think it says a lot about the um for me what that does is it says a lot about the state of masculinity as a whole across our world and you know there's not like one fence and you're on one side or the other here there is not you know a bunch of men who are you know, spiritually, emotionally, well-rounded and well-grounded men who understand the damage that this man was causing and see him as, you know, harmful. And then on the other side, there's these men who, you know, championed him, bought his courses, spoke out, you know, outwardly about how good he, you know, and how much of a role model he was. There are, there is a massively broad spectrum of men who in one way or another will show up and have their opinions on him they could be passive they could be supportive they could be aggressively denying him they could be um ignorant to just the entire conversation like we all you know there are so many different approaches that men have when you look at someone like andrew tate but Mm -hmm. overall it says to me that we have a massive, massive, massive problem that all comes down to the state of masculinity in society. And that is how we are raising men to show up as themselves, how we show up to raise men in regards to women, in regards to romantic relationships and intimacy around women, how we raise men to show up in relation to how uh, you know, how, how they are around other men. Um it speaks to the somewhat damaging culture that we have amongst men in terms of our friendship groups, um, how we converse with each other, the things that we talk about and the way that we speak about women. Um, There are so many issues here, but 
the problem is, is that it all comes down to ignorance and it all comes down to as men if you look at the like the reasons why men if we if we look at the reasons why men would say something like not all men are like this and if we just listen to them for a second i'm not saying they're right i'm not saying that their defense of men and their defense of masculinity is correct but if we try and understand why men are actually saying what why are men getting defensive why are men speaking up when they feel that they are being attacked and beyond just getting pissed off at them and saying you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because that is true the reason is because they are ignorant and they do not know what they do not know and when these things happen like the sarah everard murder, murder or me calling these men out for being silent and i think they should be speaking up they defend themselves because they f- they are not equipped with the awareness understanding of these complex conversations and ultimately the reason that they don't know how to listen into these conversations is because they don't know how to have empathy and compassion for these women who are sharing their stories about sexual abuse why because we raise men to disconnect and we basically castrate men and i use that as a as a visual metaphor we castrate men from their empathy and compassion from being from the ages of very young boys we teach them not to be empathetic we teach them that compassion and vulnerability is weak and from very very young we actually raise our young boys to disconnect from empathy and to listen into conversations and to understand things like these complex conversations mm-hmm. and then what we do at some point in a boy to a you know a boy being raised through to a man we stop considering them as ignorant young boys and we start considering them as educated horrible pieces of shit men that know that do know better but they're choosing not to and they don't now i'm not saying that we should then like bypass our anger towards these men and that we shouldn't speak up or speak out against them when they're being defensive and all that sort of stuff but right now one of the biggest problems is that we when this stuff happens there's this like us versus them it's the you know like me and you might sit there and go well you know these these not all men guys are are talking shit yes they are but if we don't try and understand why they're talking shit and get to the root of the problem then we're just going to keep fucking attacking each other and we're going to keep going around in circles you know same as these like incel guys these like you know young um clearly very traumatized men who actually have been educated and coerced and conditioned to believe women are second rate citizens to believe they're objects for our sexual gratification to believe that we can do what we want to them without any ramifications that stuff is fucking disgusting and they need to we need to do something about it but if we continue if we if we don't if we stop trying to understand them and just label them as pieces of shit misogynists and we stop our level of compassion or understanding there towards those men well we will not resolve the problem and i think the reason why that doesn't happen is because or the reason why the reason why like i think i guess we're probably going to come onto the compassion element of this conversation now the reason we have to show men these men these horrible misogynistic bastards compassion is because that is the only way that they will begin to start listening to us when we are trying to get them to understand the harm of like the the, the harm of, of of their beliefs 
the reason that the reason that we have to do that is because if we don't show them compassion that is the same lack of compassion that they were raised with that's the same abuse actually that they were raised that disconnected them from their compassion in the first place and we have to like i say it takes a fuckload of god it takes a fuckload of our own self compassion to 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 be able to garner that level of of understanding for someone especially when they're being abusive especially when they're showing no signs of you know any level of i don't know regret or apology or anything like that it's fucking hard yeah and i think so two things i want to i want to sort of raise um or sort of think about so yeah so we'll, we'll come on to the compassion part in a second so you were but before we get to that you were saying about how there are some men who say not all men because they don't know what they don't know um and i think that's true so i did a i did a my very first podcast episode was talking about not all men and the reasons why some men might say not all men and mm. I, I kind of thought that there were sort of three categories um of it so although i can't quite remember um I think there were people who just absolutely 100% just believed that no man would do anything like that because they um, would never do that themselves. You know, they've been raised uh, to respect women and um, all that kind of stuff. Then the then there's a second kind of person who just absolutely doesn't believe that their behavior is in any way misogynistic, even when it clearly is. So they're just like, where you know i commented on someone's uh, a woman's breasts at work that's just a normal thing that i do that's you know don't label me as a uh, sexual predator because i'm not but then i think there i think there's a third category where i think i think people i think some men more so now defend hard because i think they see some of the behaviors that have become understood to be sexually harmful behavior or sexually violent behavior as things that they've done in the past. And mm. they can't, they can't, um, what's the word? They struggle to accept that that's something that they've done or that they have in the past, perhaps committed sexual um, violence of some sort. Can't, can't face the guilt and the respect. Exactly. And I think, and I think, and I think those, I think those particular people, <laughs> I struggle the most with in terms of you know, well, I guess maybe compassion. I don't know, because for somebody who doesn't know what they don't know, you can be like, okay, you don't know what you don't know, but this is what it is, and these are and and your and this is how your silence perpetuates a rape culture. So, you know, you can you can claim ignorance, but you're not ignorant anymore. And if you are no longer ignorant and you choose to not do anything, or you don't choose to change your ways, or you don't choose to try and change society, then actually you are then making a conscious effort to just perpetuate the situation as it is. But mm -hmm. up until this point, if you didn't know what you didn't know, that's fine. But now that you do know some shit, do shit differently, or what are you going to do differently? So that's sure. how I try and think about it somebody who just blatantly denies what they do we can get into that side of the compassion conversation in a second because that's something interesting to think about but then the ones who the ones who potentially know know that they've done something but don't want to atone for it or don't want to acknowledge it or don't want to take accountability for it i kind mm -hmm. of really struggle with those individuals because i just think 
Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just mm. think, you know, you've done something wrong. And the reason you're defending, understandably, again, is because you don't want to admit it and your psychological defenses go up, you, you know, you, all that kind of stuff. But until you are basically, you know, there's that there, I, I feel like there has to be some kind of acknowledgement or some kind of remorse, I guess. Um, Absolutely. To, 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 before. There's no, I was going to say, if you don't mind me jumping in. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. So, any, everything that I've ever learned about compassion is that it, it's, it's often the antidote or the, you know, the, it, it is the opposite and it is the remedy to guilt and shame. So, to those men who are becoming aware of how they have been either themselves, they have in, engaged in behaviours that ultimately have either been objectifying, misogynistic or worse, um, indirectly or directly related to sexual assault or, or you know, um, unconsensual. I think that's a, another part of the conversation. Um this is where you know the, the sort of the gray is a massive area you know if you're looking at black and white as i don't know white being wolf whistling a woman on the street and black being literally well, you know yeah. rape yeah. so there's a big gray area and i think that that is where a lot of the men who as you start to become aware of this stuff and how you may have caused harm to someone in your ignorance the guilt and shame that arises within you can often be overwhelming and again i come back to the way that men are raised men are not raised to explore these feelings of guilt and shame they're they are they are raised to uh suppress remove ignore hide and and you know head down knuckle down carry on you don't fucking deal with that shit you don't look into it so the reason why those men that, as you say, you're struggling to have compassion for in, in they've become aware of their behavior, they know that they've caused harm and why are they continuing to either stay silent or not face up to it is because they haven't learned to forgive themselves or understand truly why or how they did what they did. They have been faced with their guilt. They have become aware that they could have fucking really hurt someone. But their journey from that point onwards to taking responsibility they have to go through a process of teaching and 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 forgiving themselves by virtue of being of learning to understand their behavior without judging them because they didn't choose to do it at the time we've established that they didn't realize what they were doing then they became aware often guilt keeps us stuck shame keeps us stuck and we do not have a we do not have the tools or the the skill set to navigate those next steps in that journey, to forgive ourselves, to then take responsibility, to reach out to that person that we caused harm. Because that person might not even realise that they caused harm. You know, it's very, very common that women who have been sexually assaulted don't understand that that's what happened to them. Um, so these men are, they don't, they, there's no roadmap for them to guide them through this this journey of healing themselves taking responsibility forgiving themselves trying to make amends all of that stuff yeah. so that is why they often shut the fuck up and just sit with that horrible pit in their stomach because also and they're scared that they're just going to go i i i you know i did something that i 
you know, such is the such is the I'd say the power and loudness and like scare the scariness of opening yourself up mm. to saying I've learned that I did this. You know, the judgment that can come with that is frightening as well. And the thing is, is and I and I suppose yeah. So I suppose what you're talking about is there there has to be some kind of well, it sounds like that there has to be some kind of external admission that they have done something wrong. And I guess I'm not even necessarily saying that. I'm saying, mm. well, one of the things that I'm I struggle with is that I would never expect necessarily anyone to remember who they did something to, go find that person and then say, listen, you know, five years ago when I was drunk, I did this and you know, I now know that that's sexual assault or whatever because firstly <laughs> that would be potentially quite traumatizing to the person that you went to go do it that person might not necessarily realize that uh, something had happened um and you know that's just opening up an entire and an entire fucking potential um shitstorm of just unnecessary um distress and on both parts but i guess even just acknowledging it to yourself that mm. you have done something wrong, I think potentially is the first step in what you were sort of talking about in terms of being a healing journey about moving past that guilt and that shame, because I think you don't necessarily need the forgiveness of the person that you did it to because they might not forgive you, you know, um, you know, we think about, you know, if you think about the more extreme side of things, we if you think about somebody who's committed an actual sexual offense, um, the, the, you know, somebody who, a man who's raped a woman might never be forgiven by the person, who, by, by the person that they raped. Um, and by, by all rights, that victim doesn't necessarily have to do it. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's um, an entirely separate thing in, in, in and of itself. But if the person wants to move beyond the guilt, they kind of need to find it in themselves and understand, again, so what you were talking about, understand the reasons why they did what they did. And in this case, it would be about not necessarily knowing um, that they committed some kind of sexual assault or offence um, when they were younger um, or many years ago, whatever. But it's about taking the information because the the discussions about sexual assault and what and the range of what con constitutes sexual assault is so much more in my opinion uh, might be wrong but maybe it's just because i know a lot more about it and i kind of look into it and i've you know kind of embedded in it but the range of what's known to be sexual assault is far more prevalent um so there's a higher likelihood that men will probably realize that oh fuck i've probably done some of that shit you know, mm. like I saw a post the other day um, and I've talked about this on um, other podcasts um, and I saw it as a post and I've saved, I think I've saved it on my phone, but it was about how um, there's absolutely no need when you're in a nightclub to take your hands as a man, put it on the waist of a woman and do that, you know, what you think is a flirty shuffle. There's literally no need to do it. And again, so what we're talking about in terms of the ranges of sort of, you know, assault and sexual assault, that would be classed as kind of assault because you put your hand on somebody's body without any kind of consent and things like that sort of um, 
but I've done that in the past. Sort of when I was in when I was in my youth, you know, like I I thought <laughs> I thought that that was like a way to flirt with women, which is mm-hmm. stupid. Um, but you know, I've so I've so I've done something like that, and I guess, and I'm not saying that everyone should be like me. I'm not a martyr, like I, like I'm not a pinnacle of moral upstanding or anything like that. I'm just saying, as an example, like I've understood now that the things that I've done probably made women feel uncomfortable or probably made them think like, who the fuck is this man? Oh my God. Another person that's touched me on the waist to move past to the bar or some, or something along those lines. And I think in terms of the compassionate side of things, we can, I think we can understand that perhaps men didn't know that some of the stuff that they did in the past would have fallen on that very broad spectrum of, mm. um, you know, sexual offences. But actually, we need to take accountability for it because it is. And I guess that's mm. kind of, and I guess that's kind of where I sometimes struggle with the, the men who, and I guess I don't, and again, you don't know who the men are because you can't, you, you know, no one has a label across their forehead saying the type of not all men that they are. But um, I guess that's where I, that I guess that's one of the, the struggles with um, compassion that I have sometimes. It's because I think. I, yeah, I guess you said, you did say though, you went, you went, I thought that was okay at the time. And you went, that's mm. stupid. And look how critical you're being of, of mm. yourself when you were ignorant, right? I would say, I was going to say, it wasn't stupid. It was ignorant and you didn't yeah. know at the time. Now you do. That for me is just that slight shift to compassion <laughs> towards that younger version of yourself, yeah. as opposed to the judgment and saying, that's stupid. Why would I have thought that? Well, do you know why? Because you understand why, because you were taught that was okay. Yeah. And you only and you only realized it wasn't okay when you realized and when you were educated and when you started looking into it, yeah. and when you started, you know, leaning into your own behavior and exploring that in your own yeah. way to take responsibility and learn to do better because you you know, in your work and your life, you've become privy to and aware of the sheer levels of trauma that women suffer at the hands of, of men in, in in certain, you know, in different scenarios. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, um, that that's where I will always, you know, very playfully, but always, um, you know, in a, in a, in a very, um, very genuine way, try to under, uh, and it's not just, I, I don't just try and reframe stuff for the sake of reframing it. Compassionately. Yeah, no, no, it's fair you know, enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's um it's it's for me it's a way of understanding rather than judging um whether yeah. that be ourselves or other people. And I guess yeah and I, and and no I, I I take the reframe and I appreciate that. Um and at the same time I think what I what what I would like for men to do is to be able to have that kind of challenge for themselves to be able to mm-hmm. kind of have that I guess compassion for themselves, maybe, and to um, sort of understand take radical you... responsibility. Take exactly. action. Take accountability. So, stand the fuck exactly. up. They're, they're, they're exactly. Not, they're not mutually exclusive. You can. No. You you have to do both. But I believe exactly. that the compassionate aspect is the gateway to the other. I don't and believe then, you yeah. actually get there without it. You know. No, because as you say, there's no. There's you know, guilt gets you fucking nowhere. Nobody wants everybody to run around remorsefully. You know, flagellating. You know, themselves with a cat and nine tails on their back. What 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 is helpful is understanding what you did that it was wrong and try and do shit differently and then sort of you know atone take accountability and just don't say fucking not all men because that doesn't help the conversation move forward like if you did it 
okay, you did it. That's not great. And there is potentially somebody out there that you made feel uncomfortable or potentially, you know, may have harmed in some way. You can't go find them. Also, please don't ever go find them. If you're listening to this conversation, then you've something's clocked for you. And, you know, don't just go and have a conversation with somebody. That's not what I'm saying. But also at the same time, don't wallow in self-guilt or don't get defensive when um, somebody has a conversation, like literally go out and try and do something differently. And I guess that's part and parcel of um, why I um, do what I do on my page is because I want to try and get the idea across of how can we do things differently towards helping change the culture or the society which is why i sort of you know um i think this kind of conversation is really important thank you for that that was a helpful helpful sort of reflection about that conversation um that part of the conversation anyway so i suppose one of the things i wanted to think about because we've touched on on the discussion of compassion a few times um throughout the conversation and i think this relates to you know what some of the thoughts I had about, you know, compassion towards somebody like Andrew Tate or compassion towards people who um, do horrible things. And I think one of the talking points that um, or questions that uh, some followers had was around this idea of compassion um, towards somebody like Andrew Tate and, and um, I guess more specifically people who do maybe horrible things. And I think the reason why I, think it's an interesting and often difficult conversation to have um is because you know given the job that i do i'm a you know i'm a forensic psychologist so i work with people who have committed offenses um some of them are pretty pretty bad um and i wouldn't be able to do my job if i didn't hold compassion for for people if i didn't understand that the reason why they did things um comes from a place of um living a life generally fraught with trauma um learning uh, not having learned how to regulate emotions or how to sort of go about getting their needs met in a in a healthy way um and i I know that sounds very um simplistic but i guess that's the kind of general nuts and bolts um of what i do and i think um in order to be able to do the job i do i have to I have compassion for people and I have to have empathy for the people that I work with. Um, and I actually feel quite fortunate to be able to do that because I think not many people can and not many people would. Um, and that's okay. People have um, their, well, I guess their own moral compasses and their own beliefs in um, what they feel people should um, or deserve uh, if they've done something wrong. Um, so I'm not here to say that people shouldn't do that, but I guess, how am I phrasing this? But I think the, I think the thing that also makes me able to do the job is because I guess I kind of do it after the fact, almost once justice has been served in some respects to the victim, I guess, even when doing my job, sort of the thing that I have to hold in mind is that um, there was a victim involved or that there could potentially be more victims in the future. Um, and whilst I hold compassion for people um, in terms of the work that I do, there is also an expectation that they kind of 
you know, want to be rehabilitated and therefore should want to do it and therefore should take want to ca- take accountability for what they've done. Um, because if they don't, then, you know, um, I obviously in my head hold the fact that if they, if they don't want to change or they don't want to take accountability or they don't want to understand the reasons why they did what they did, there's a higher likelihood that there will potentially be another victim um, somewhere down the line. Or they'll just end up staying in prison because a parole board will never want to release them because they'll just think that they've not um, tried to change anything. Um, so what I do happens, <clears throat> you know, once they've been found guilty, uh, once they're in prison, once they're kind of or maybe been um, uh, detained in a hospital um, or whatever. Which brings me to the question of like timing about compassion. Because I think in the discussion around Andrew Tate and in the discussion around holding compassion for men who do horrible things and say horrible things and have no regard for women or um, any other kind of marginalized group in a social media space, um, I think is, you know, we can have that. um, But when? And it's a bit of a gray area because there is no kind of court of law where Andrew Tate will go and be held accountable for his um, sins and, you know, the his victims, which are essentially countless of women, you know, that we don't know whose lives may have been impacted either directly or indirectly by Andrew mm-hmm. Tate's ideology and the things that he believes in and the things that he says. So personally, whilst I believe and understand compassion, I struggle to be immediately compassionate, maybe um, to someone like that, um, because I think there are a whole raft of victims out there, um, again, direct or indirect, who haven't had their... Justice, for lack of another word, I can't really, I know this is all very abstract and I hope I'm making sense in what I'm trying to say. Um, But basically, um, for this kind of a situation, there are people who have been victimized, who will potentially continue to be victimized. um, Mm -hmm. And there may not necessarily be an end point to that victimization. And also, Andrew Tate... I know he says he loves women and I know he says he's donating all this money to women's domestic abuse charities. And I know he's saying a playing, he's playing a character, but he's not fucking saying sorry. And he's not saying I um, have realized the errors of my ways and I'd like to change. And I'd like to understand how I've got to this point. He's not saying any of that shit, is he? Um, So I guess what I'm asking you basically, or what I think would be helpful to think about, because I think this is something that um, um, I'm aware that, potentially some women will struggle with is this idea of how do we hold compassion for men who do horrible things or want to try and understand why they do horrible things when actually the things that they continue to do or, you know, the things that they have done still continue to yeah. perpetuate. I'll stop talking yeah, and I, let you. <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's an amazing question. And, and my answer is simple. One is compassion for all and at all times. So having compassion for someone who is causing harm 
is not to the detriment of holding compassion for the victims. And also it is not to bypass the need for justice and consequence. Mm -hmm. You know, compassion without consequence is actually just a free pass. And that is, I think, probably one of the biggest points that underpins this whole concept. Compassion is not this airy fairy loving everything forgive everyone for everything approach that's not what compassion is compassion by definition if you if you look it up uh, there are a few different different definitions but compassion is this idea that if you look at empathy it's the ability to look at someone else and put yourself in their position and feel what they are feeling often as a result of a negative experience we empathize with people's pain we empathize with people's suffering compassion is to actually feel moved by that empathy to the point where we feel moved to try and ease that person's suffering so the reason that that is such a complex thing to do with someone like andrew tate is because they are not witnessing any signs that they have any level of awareness of their own suffering in fact they're showing up in the, in the opposite way they think they live in the fucking life they think that they are bossing life and winning at life and they are they've got everything and so when they are not overtly showing up in a way that seems wounded then of course why do we show them compassion but it's up to us to understand the 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 ignorance that he is of himself and of the damage he's doing not to again not by any stretch of the imagination because i feel like we're focusing on this in a very linear timeline that's mm -hmm. why i say whilst we can hold compassion for him that does not mean compassion is limitless i would have compassion for uh every single woman and you as you said some of these people haven't faced justice some of these people women will never ever get over their trauma well my compassion never ends for them and will never stop for them it will never stop for anyone who's been traumatized it will never stop for any of the men who have um, been raised in ways that have caused them to cause harm. Mm -hmm. Again, not to then bypass the need for justice and consequence for them to see, uh, to hopefully remedy and have a change of ways and a change of understanding. Their journey will be painful and I have compassion for their journey. Again, it is, it is unlimited, it is relentless for me because when I stop, I, I shared something this morning and I said, when we stop giving someone compassion or when we decide that someone is unworthy of our compassion, what we're saying is that we no longer deem them to be human or that they are be no human. longer human. Yeah, yeah we, no, we, we, no long, we no longer consider their humanity. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that they're human. And with the complexities of humanity come trauma, um, often unknown. I think the concept of trauma within the mental health conversation and within the human behavior conversation is only just coming to light what we understand trauma to be and how it affects us and our, and, and our ways of perceiving the world. And I think that I've lost my train of thought when it comes to, yeah, I think it's just important to say that when I speak of being compassionate towards people like Andrew Tate, it is not, because I think that they deserve to get away with or that they deserve uh, to bypass the need to pay for what they're doing. They absolutely do. And that is, I guess, it comes down to this. This is where, as human beings, we often struggle because, you know, whilst we're incredibly intelligent beings, we also struggle to 
hold more than one idea or one truth in our mind at any given time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I've said, let's be compassionate to someone like Andrew Tate, who's clearly, again, the, the other part of me and the other, you know, like I say, holding these multiple ideas, one of those other ideas is that he is a fucking piece of shit. And I hate the message that he shares. That is also a truth of mine. But another truth is that I wish to also not allow the pain that I see him causing to manifest within me. And ultimately, I lose sight of the fact that above every or beyond and below and beneath all of that fucking horrible shit, he is a traumatized little boy who is is, is projecting that out into the world and causing tremendous harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I can hold on to the piece of shit narrative or the traumatized little boy narrative. The piece of shit one doesn't actually help me. And I think it's it's also about self-preservation and seeing an opportunity to do something with it. I can't do anything with him being a piece of shit. I can't do anything with that. If I can see him for, again, he's both, by the way. It's not that he's one or the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. But if I, if I can hold on to the one that serves me better and allows me to see an opportunity for growth, progression, healing, whatever that might be, then ultimately it's it's that one that will allow me to go to sleep at night without sitting there in a fucking rage you know? and i guess and i guess growth and progression for who would be my question that i would well, yeah uh, be interested I, I would i would say or both but i would also say for every other man that i encounter in my life who may exhibit similar behaviors and characteristics mm-hmm that I managed to hold a little more, you know, that I might have direct access to, mm-hmm. that I might be able to have an influence over. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I'm never going to have a conversation with Andrew Tate. I'm never going to be able to sit in a room with him one-on-one. And I, someone asked me, I think, when this, this stuff came up, they were like, can you imagine, you know, your post has kind of gone quite well. Can you imagine if you got on a podcast with Andrew Tate? I went, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that conversation. I went, I wouldn't dream of sitting on a podcast with Andrew Tate and trying to debate him because... Well, he is so aggressively set in his ways that he would not listen to a word I would say. He, he's not open to seeing the error of his ways, right? Mm. Now, again, two truths there or multiple perspectives on that. That's a fucking like awful human being there and a piece of shit. And I would hate to be sat in a room with him or even sat at the other end of Zoom with him. But I would also then just be so sat there going, fuck me, you are so broken. You are so broken and so traumatized that you have built up such a staunch, aggressive, defensive persona to the point where you can't even hear the damage that you're causing. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I'm never going to have that conversation with him. But in holding a level of humanity, uh, you know, consideration of his humanity and his trauma, it allows me to be open to anyone else who exhibits those behaviors in my life where I could have an impact. Yeah. So I guess it's, so I guess it's, and maybe this is how I'm interpreting it and it might be incorrect and you can tell me if I've got it wrong, but I guess, um, cause this is, this is, this is also something that we think about um, within the job that I do is that um, compassion doesn't mean not holding boundaries or not having, or not um, taking somebody or not holding anybody to account for their behavior. Um, Cause if you think exactly. about it again, we always think about um, we always as psychologists, we always sort of think about how we sort of um, raise children. And I guess part of being compassionate to a child is instilling boundaries, you know, ba- um, children need um, boundaries. They need uh, safe 
they need safety. They can't just bumble through the world without anybody saying that's wrong or don't do that or that will hurt you or that's not a very nice thing to do. Um, they need that because if you're not doing that, then you're not being compassionate because you're actually just letting them, you know, um, blunder through the world, making mistakes without any kind of guidance. So actually part and parcel of of being compassionate is actually about holding accountability uh, or holding people accountable and actually saying what you're doing is fucking wrong and actually um that's you know, compassion you, yeah you might that's not say it. you might not say you're being a fucking piece of shit although i'm pretty sure that some people would say <laughs> that and i guess in andrew tate's case you might actually say you're mm. you're acting like a bit of a fucking piece of shit so stop doing what you're doing um whether he hears that is as you say an entirely different thing um but um i guess you know, understanding where somebody's come from or why somebody's done something, but also still saying that that is wrong are two mm -hmm. and one and the same thing is is what it sounds like you're saying, is that you can... Yeah, it's to, it's to do with your intention. If I'm calling yeah. someone a piece of shit because I'm trying to hurt them, well, that's not compassionate. If I'm calling them a piece of shit to try and help them, to, hold, to try and hold up a mirror to their yeah. behaviour, to try and educate and help them do better, then that's compassionate. Yeah, or it's saying... The intention or behind saying it. Yeah. Or like, you know, going back to what you would say to a child, you wouldn't say you wouldn't say that you are naughty. You would say that you are being naughty. So you would kind of say you are mm. acting like a piece of shit because what you are doing is harmful and fucking terrible and actually potentially influencing a whole raft of young men to act like you. And that is fucking mm. horrendous. Um, again, that would be a nice thing to say to Andrew Tate and be like, mate, what you're doing is fucking awful. Stop it. Um, but he probably wouldn't listen. And again, there would be so much defense there um, about things. Um, the final thing, thank you, by the way, that was, you know, that was a, a helpful sort of conversation to sort of think about um, in terms of like what compassion means and um, how, yeah, how you can hold in mind that actually somebody is um, doing something awful potentially an awful human being i don't like to say that people are awful human beings um they do all the human beings they yeah, do awful things it doesn't it doesn't quite sit right with me um and i know that potentially people listening to this podcast might struggle and i understand that um but i doing what i do is i can't say that somebody is an awful human being i just say that they do fucking horrendous things um which is what they do um so he is he is somebody that does horrendous fucking things and unfortunately i don't think i don't think that there is any um i can't see like andrew tate taking accountability for anything that he does um which leaves the bigger question of um you know what do we do and how do we how do we kind of remedy this this kind of um this sort of weed um Again, because he is just the face, isn't he? The current face of this, um, I guess, underbelly, undercurrent of um, misogynistic, um, sexist kind of disregard for women and um, sort of, you know, in, in other cases, um, my, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, like minority groups. Yeah, but I was going to say like minoritized, but that's not a word, but minority groups, that's a much more sensible word. Thank you, James. Because um, he's just the current face of it, isn't it? I saw, a, I saw a YouTube clip the other day that was talking about how 
um, even before Andrew Tate, there were like several kind of iterations. He's a bit like Neo, like, you know, there's been mm. several matrixes before him and he's just the current um, anti-Neo um, of misogyny. And um, I guess it just kind of speaks to the idea that unless we do something differently as men for men to help them understand why why this continues to um mm. happen there'll just be another one won't there there'll just and be I another Andrew that, Tate that takes its place and you know what i think that is why i'm trying to whilst it is a difficult and complex concept to get our head around that is why i believe that the thing we need to do differently is keep our hearts and minds open to these men mm. only because if we close ourselves off to them and go you know down the judgmental critical narrative with again just to just to you know really i guess you know the example we gave before where you know we talked about our intention behind calling someone a piece of shit um if we were just calling them a piece of shit for the sake of doing so well again we have we've closed down that conversation and mm. we have immediately like that person will not want to listen to us because we have stopped listening to them. Mm. We're not talking about agreeing with them. We're not, we're talking about understanding where it comes from. And it is a really, really difficult thing to hold space for and listen to. But I think that that's where, you know, especially you know, there's, there's, there's loads of other stuff that we do for men. You know, I think men's work, workshops, communities, circles, um, podcasts, all of this sort of stuff is, is starting to become more and more, um, prevalent and there are mm -hmm. starting to become more spaces for men to to show up and learn about this sort of stuff and listen into certain types of conversations mm -hmm. but as far as an approach goes in order to yeah, as i say in order to sort of directly not even direct yeah directly appeal to these men who are staunchly you know in their ignorance and sticking to their guns I think that the different thing that we need to do there is just keep ourselves open and it's fucking hard. And I think, you know, just as we were saying that, uh, I, I think it would be remiss of us not to mention the fact that it's easy for us to say this. Um, and I think I'll mention this at the start of the podcast. Like it's really easy for you and Absolutely. me, James, to sit here and say, um, you know, you know, the only way to kind of work through this kind of cultural um shitstorm or fuckery is to kind of you know change a culture of treating men more compassionately and sort of educating men that they can be different and they can connect and they can have empathy and they can have that and i think you know i i don't disagree with you i absolutely believe that men should be we should be educating men a lot more about being open mm -hmm. about their emotions about being able to communicate differently about not necessarily using violence or aggression as a means to dominate somebody else i believe that um we you know the idea of what it means to be a man should needs to really massively be deconstructed and all that kind of stuff and i think you know having the conversations with men or wanting to have conversations with men who sort of fit those more sort of um dominant mm. toxic that kind of barrier um that kind of definition of of masculinity I think it's yeah, helpful, hmm. but I think, we, you know, we are in a position where we can say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a white heterosexual man that has experienced very, you know, minimal amounts of oppression. And I think, you know, 
I can have these conversations from a position of being removed from it. So if anybody mm-hmm. is listening to this podcast and anything, you know, if it sounds like it's a lot easier said than done about what James and I have said, I can appreciate that. And I don't expect anybody to have compassion for people who have committed horrible things. That's not what I'm trying to say. I don't think, or what you're necessarily trying to yeah. say as well. I don't think for lack of a better, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's like, it's our job to try and do things differently. We don't expect mm-hmm. anybody listening to this podcast to be the one to pick up the mantle and do the championing and do the compassion holding. That's not, I don't think that's what. I'll, um, I'll just elaborate because uh, you're absolutely right. And just uh, for anyone who, who has followed me for a little while, you may have heard me say on other podcasts when discussing these sorts of things, there are certain people in 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 reference to our conversation particularly there will be women who have been so deeply traumatized at the hands of men that they will never ever ever be able to recover to a point of being able to hold compassion whether yeah, that be absolutely. for the for the whether that be for the person that that assaulted them or even men in general because they have suffered such horrific abuse yeah and so with that it is and thank you so much for saying that because again we've been holding this conversation and navigating this conversation you know we talked about what we wanted to talk about and sometimes we do bypass these these really really important caveats and one of those is that everything that i have shared in this conversation today none of it is an expectation it is more a desperate hope that if Mm. someone is able to reach this point and go on a journey of learning to cultivate it then I would encourage it. I believe it is the way that we we need to. Uh, it, it's the it's the the path that we we desperately have to try and pursue. Mm. If we aren't able to do that, then that is absolutely okay. And, and especially if that is at the, you know, uh, the reason for that is is the underlying trauma that someone has suffered that prohibits them from ever being able to reach that place. Mm. Um, yeah, there is no expectation on our part. Um, we're just trying to to, to again. Uh, navigate these difficult conversations and find ways of of i think collectively healing you know regardless uh regardless of our gender because we all you know yeah. deep down we're all suffering and we want to try and try and alleviate that yeah okay um yeah i feel like that's quite a good place to to draw this to a close james um it's been near on two hours now <laughs> <laughs> Um, good luck good luck cutting this one up <laughs> yeah well i will be honest with you james i take a very um a liberal approach to my editing in the sense that i literally just play it as it is um just chuck it all in yeah i just chuck it all in um but yeah um i don't think we managed to get i don't think we got through everything that, that uh, we wanted to but i think we we got through the the most of the meat of it um which i appreciate so thank you um I guess, do you want to just kind of let people know where they can find you? And I think, I think you are doing a workshop where you've got a workshop coming up. So I don't know if you want to just kind of mention that in case anybody's yeah. interested. Yeah, thank you. So um, I'm going to be, yeah, by the time this episode comes out, I'll have announced it. Um, first of all, please just, yeah, if you want to come find me, it's just at the compassionate man on Instagram. I do all of my stuff on there and I'm going to be hosting a essentially what is essentially an introduction to compassion, like self-compassion and mastering that for yourself. Um, 
because that was my journey to learning and understanding how to hold compassion for other people was when I started to heal myself with that. Um, and I'm going to be hosting a free workshop for all genders. It's not just for men. Um, that's going to be on the 1st of September. So it's a couple of weeks away from when we've, uh, sorry, it's about 10 days away from when we recorded this episode. Um, but I'm announcing it tomorrow on, on my newsletter. Um, so that's in like on my bio. If you want to sign up to that, then please do. But I'll have all the stuff out on my social media page by the time this comes out. And um, yeah, if it comes out before the 1st of September, please come and, uh, and join. Cool. All right, James, uh, again, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for navigating what is, uh, I feel, quite a tricky conversation to have. Um, but it's been really helpful to have you kind of um, bring a, a bit of nuance to it. Um, again, Andrew Tate doing some horrible shit. Um, I'm really glad that he's fucking all social media because I can't stand listening to that. I can't stand listening to that man fucking rabbit on. Uh, see, I can <laughs> I can express a dislike for a person, but also understand mm. that he's obviously been through a lot of shit in order to get to the point where he say, says that kind of stuff. But still, fucking hell, I'm glad he's gone. And that's the two <laughs> truths, man. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with everything you've just said. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, James. Have a great Cheers, evening. Brother. Thank you.